Hello there, I'm Pedro and I'm Ivan and welcome back to Wild Red Dot. So for those of you who are dropping in for the first time, this is a podcast by two guys in Singapore who love wildlife and love talking about wildlife in our country. So it's been a while since we did an animal feature, but today because of recent news, we're going to be talking about one of the largest animals in Singapore. Am I right, Ivan? Yeah, I mean at least the largest land animal now. Okay, the largest land animal. So what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to be talking about the sambal deer. The sambal or sambal deer? Sambal deer. Not sambal belacan or you know, those sambal uh, sauce. Nope, sambal deer. So sambal, uh, it's... Okay, sambal, as a joke, is a kind of chili, right? It's... Yeah, I'm not too sure how to define it, but it is... It's a spicy it's a spicy, It's a spicy chili, very thick chili sauce. Okay, so the sambal that we're talking about is S-A-M-B-A-R. Yes. And tell us more about this deer. Okay, so sambal deer, they are a pretty large species of deer. So we talk about the deer family as a whole. We've uh, got the largest species, which is the moose, right? Which we definitely do not get here in tropical Southeast Asia. Uh, but you do get the sambal deer, which is the, the largest of the tropical Asian deer. Alright, so sambal have a pretty wide distribution. They are found from India and Sri Lanka all the way to uh, most of Southeast Asia, South China and Taiwan, down to islands like Sumatra and Borneo. So Singapore is part of the Sambas native range and they were here in the past. They died out, but they made a comeback. And how is that possible? Okay, so unlike some of our other species that made a comeback in recent years, for example, when we talk about species like the Ashran crocodile, the smooth crocodile otter, the wild boar, those seem to have, have been natural dispersal from Peninsular Malaysia. So they swam across the Straits of Johor. So you, when you look at, at the sightings, they first showed up along our northern coastline, right? So like for otters and wild boar and crocodiles, you see them in places like Sungai Bulo or, or Pulau Ubin, right? In the northern coastline of Singapore. On the other hand, for the Samba deer, actually what seems to have happened is that they escaped from captivity. So they are actually uh, possibly uh, from the Singapore Zoo, maybe from other pri- from private collections elsewhere in Singapore, but at least in the 1970s, they were already starting to be seen out in the wild in the Mandai area. But and how- given that our zoo is in the Mandai area, there is a very strong correlation. But how do we know that um, it couldn't, it, maybe it was just a hidden population? That's entirely possible. In fact, uh, one recent study uh, did, uh, did indicate that they, the possibility of a remnant population cannot be totally discounted. So maybe, but even so, uh, it's highly likely that the, the population uh, was definitely uh, made up uh, heavily, if not almost entirely, of escapees from creativity. And is there like any proof of this? Well, we do have reports of somebody actually jumping the fence or, or escaping, slipping out of enclosures. So I think um, a number of years back, there was at least one incident where a tree fell on a fence uh, in the night safari, if I'm not wrong, and a group of somebody got out. Not all of them were recaptured, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so there is a 
a population of Sambadia breeding uh, in the Mandai area and as well as in the surrounding forests of the Central Kashmir Nature Reserve and they've also already made it to Bukit Timah Nature Reserve. And over the last 50 years, um, so what has happened is that they likely died out in Singapore in the 1950s or 60s, possibly due to deforestation and hunting. Um, then in the 1970s, they started to show up again uh, in the Mandai area. So if you look at the map of Singapore, that's in the middle of Singapore. So unlike the other species that show up in the northern coastline, we were not seeing Sambadia along our northern coastline first. We were, showing, we were seeing them in the forest around the zoo. So that's, that kind of like um, shows you it's a very different, um, uh, that, that's a very different route compared to the other species. So what does it mean for us in terms of wildlife for the resurgence of this large hoofed animal? Okay, so Samba deer, um, number one, unlike wild boar, uh, actually we actually did cover this in our in one of our wild type, recent wild type episode. So unlike wild boar, which have dispersed um, almost throughout almost the whole of Singapore and they've recolonized almost every forested area in Singapore, Samba deer have not followed the same tra- trajectory. Right, the population is still pretty small. So, uh, for example, according to one of the recent studies, the estimate was about 15 individuals in the Central Kashmir Nature Reserve. But that is probably a conservative number. There might be more, but even so, no matter how many more you, we, 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 there are likely to be, it's not nowhere near the, the distribution and density of wild boar we have in Singapore right now. Right. Now, Samba deer, they are much larger creatures compared to wild boar. So, for example, um, looking at Wikipedia, uh, Samba deer can attain a height of 1 meter to 1.6 meters at the shoulder. So, yes, for some of you, a Samba deer is taller than you. It will not look in the eye, it will look over your head. Right? And remember, this is the height at the shoulder. If the head, if the head is, is up, you'll probably be looking above your head. Right? And they can weigh about 100 kg on and more. In other populations elsewhere in, in Asia, they can get even larger. But I would, but uh, at least in this part of Southeast Asia, the, the range in weight is typically 100 to 350 kilograms. So this is a pretty large animal, right? And one thing that unfortunately um, happens uh, on on several occasions is you get somebody deer dashing across roads. It, it's a common thing that you see all around the world where there are deer, deer dash across roads, they get hit by vehicles. And sadly enough, you get quite a number of instances of, of deers getting, of, of somebody deer getting killed in collisions with vehicles in Singapore. So you're telling me, so, so far what you have, what we have talked about is that Sambadia at the moment is in our central nature reserve. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the center of Singapore. Yep. And from my understanding, the central nature reserve is surrounded by highways. Yes, we have quite a number of major roads uh, where we got vehicles traveling at high speeds. And you're telling me that roadkill is a normal issue for them overseas. I mean, for, for, for deer in general. For deer in general. Yeah. What does this mean for Singapore? Well, I would say that maybe you will, there will be a lot of drivers uh, who will probably 
be faced with the unhappy situation of hitting a somebody dear. So I mean back in the day before before somebody dear and war ball became really reestablished in Singapore, I would say that we did not have that many large large wild animals capable of of causing serious damage to your vehicle. I mean to be fair, if you run over a a, a long term macaque or a monitor, monitor lizard, it's just a speed bump. Right? Whereas if you hit a wild boar or somebody <laughs> It could kill. It could kill you. Yeah. yeah. Even 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 on a motorcycle, that's probably gonna be, be, be a terrible accident for you as well. Right? And even if you're driving a car, your car it's probably going to be a pretty expensive trip to the workshop. And maybe the hospital. Hospital, yeah. So a lot of issues. So we do need to think about how our road infrastructure is can affect wildlife. And you're telling, and we, we just talked about how Sambahadiyas can jump over tall fences. Yes, so I do not know, there are no easy answers, answers uh, to this. Do we need more wildlife overpasses? Do we need wildlife underpasses? Do we need barriers along our roads? I honestly, we will need to look at what other countries are doing in order to try and mitigate the risk of, of uh, vehicle and deer collisions. Right? And you know, every time this happens, people will go like, oh, it's very sad, you know, there's, so, there's so few of them left in Singapore, which is true. At the same time, um, this, the population in Singapore is worth monitoring for various reasons because number one, uh, deer in general, in many parts of the world, uh, when we talk about uh, large herbivores, deer can do very well uh, in, in forests especially when there are few or no predators. So in many parts of the world, when they have wiped out large predators like wolves and big cats, the deer population surge, they explode, they can breed very quickly uh, to a point that they become a very heavy, uh, uh, they, they become a major threat to many plants. So they will overgraze areas. So you're saying that there's actually a chance that we could be heading towards like an ecological, like, like basically things just go haywire in the forest. We could. Uh, for somebody, maybe not so quickly because they do not breed at a very high rate. So what seems to happen is that they, they take a longer time to maturity compared to wild boar. And unlike wild boar, which can have a little of multiple piglets at once, somebody, somebody normally only have one fawn at a time. Right. So, and, and the thing is, is that unlike the wild boar, we have no idea about the genetic diversity of the Sambadia population. We do not know how many founders they had. Are they all related? Are they all cousins actually by, uh, 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 or are they all basically one big extended family kind of thing? So that could lead to a lot of potential issues with, with uh, hereditary diseases and, and, other, and other issues. I think this is one thing that is probably worth looking into, right, where we, we are talking about our Samba population. And so with this one thing that could happen in the future, this has been this whole idea of although these are native recurring species, uh, in the in the absence of predators like tigers and leopards, Samba deer and wild boar uh, are seen as possible uh, as as species to, to look at very closely because we do not want to reach the stage where the numbers uh, rebound to the point that they become uh, a major issue for the health of our forests. So at least for wild boar, uh, we are not seeing them reach that point, although there have been concerns. 
for somebody is that seems to be a pretty far away scenario at this point in time of course that could change in future um uh, but at least for now the number the population is pretty small uh it is recovering but not very quickly do you think that in the long term management right because you you're talking about how like there is no more predators to the to wild boar to Sambadia. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's something feasible that maybe we reintroduce carnivores to our forest? As much as I like to believe that, unfortunately, I think Singapore is too altered to feasibly support even one tiger or leopard. And honestly, you look at the crowds um, using the trails at Merici and Bukitima. If you tell them there's a leopard, a wild leopard out there, I don't think the public would... <laughs> be that as a thing even if nobody actually sees it I think there's going to be a lot of fear about the risk of being out there in the forest especially if you're alone or you know you got people who like to jog uh, run around, running run around like, running around and sometimes sometimes you see them running around at 6am 7am when it's still dark <sighs> and if you know that there's a big cat out there and of course you get people who will say like what if it comes into my neighbourhood next to the nature reserve and eats my dog or you know, like your kids running on the street. I mean, we can talk about encouraging people in other parts of the world to coexist with large carnivores. I'm not too sure whether people in Singapore are ready for that. We already have enough issues with pythons. That's true. Right? Mm-hmm. Or even the large croc- the Ashland crocodile he spoke about in a previous episode. That's also another species that causes a lot of concern. Even though, even though they are pretty much limited to places where where there are very few people for, for the most part at least <laughs> yeah so an interesting thing about Samba deer in general is that okay maybe uh, to give a bit of background so deer in general they don't have horns they have antlers so antlers are basically bony growths that male deer will grow um, every year during the breeding season and then they, they shed them so they will drop off at the end okay hold up so what's the difference between Antlers and horns. Okay, so horns are what you see in things like cattle, goats, sheep, antelope, and sort of thing. So those grow throughout the animal's life, right? And they never fall off. And they are usually covered in this uh, sheath of hard tissue called keratin, right? So, so when you look at, 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 a, at a cow or sheep or goat, right? You got this, the horns are literally part of the skin are attached to the skull for its entire life. So An extension of the head. Kind of, right? So, so it's like, unless they break off through accident or, 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 or disease or, and all that, they will never, they, they are always going to be on the animal's head and they're always growing. Horns are permanent? Yes. Okay. However, for deer in general, only for, for those deer species that have antlers, the males have them and they only grow for part of the year, right? So, one analogy that people have used before is think of it like a very aggressive form, form of bone cancer, where the bone just literally grows out of your skull, right, on two sides, and then it, it's co- and it first grows, it's covered in this, in this uh, velvety skin that eventually, that eventually falls off, and you, got, you get this deer with with this bloody 
flaps of skin dangling yep. off the antlers. You're painting a very grotesque image yeah, right now. It's, it's really grotesque. And and then once once that that layer of skin is shed, you've got this bony uh these ex- areas of expo these antlers which are ex- literally exposed bone. And depending on the deer species they can they can have they can branch in many different shapes, right? So generally for somebody uh, the antler shape will be different from the antlers you see in other deer species, right? And for the for most species of deer, only the males grow them. There's one exception, which are the reindeer or caribou, where, where males and females can grow antlers. But that's uh, I'm going off track already. But anyway, some deer, the males will only grow the antlers for a certain period of the year. Once they're done, and these antlers are usually only used for, uh, for, uh, mating, right? They will show off, right? So basically, the healthier you are, the larger your antlers are, right? And also antlers will be more impressive. You are able to fend off rivals. If you if they have to spar with other rival males, somebody here, the antlers can can give them an advantage when it comes to, to this kind of like like uh fights. Mm. So basically they are the male somebody here with larger antlers will be more attractive to females, right? And then they will they will have more offspring. And so it's a, it's a curve, it's a signal of their health and virility, right? At the same time, it is a very heavy drain on the resources because imagine you need to grow these giant bony outgrowths every year, right? So they do need a lot of calcium minerals in order to, to, to nourish that. And once the, once the antlers uh, have served their purpose, so once breeding season is over, they drop off. That's it. So... Out of the breeding season, you can see a deer without antlers and you, you might not know very well whether it's a male or female. Why don't they just keep it the whole year round? I have no idea. It's, it's, it's really, really weird. It, it could just be, be to do with, with seasonal changes in, in, in food and resources. So there are many deer species that live in, not in tropical areas, but you know, in, in, in places where there are very pronounced seasonal changes. So in winter time, you don't really need these large antlers, um, they are draining your resources if you need to conserve uh, your energy, right? Mm. So, so somebody uh, they, they will shed their antlers annually. In fact, I've actually found a shed somebody antler on the ground before. Wow. Yeah, yeah it, was pretty, it was pretty cool, you know, like I was walking around like, is that a branch? Is that a broken branch? Or hey, it's, it's bone and it's, it's just a, a piece of Shed some black some black antler. And it's surprisingly heavy, right? It's very solid. Um so basically what you will see is that if you look at some videos that have been going viral online recently, there are these videos of moose, which are another very large deer you will get in other parts of the world. The moose is shaking its head and the antler just drops off like that. Because it's really uh um uh, it's really at the end of the, the season when they are needed. So they just fall off the head the, the moose's head when it least expects it. Speaking of like um, the side of impressiveness, right? Um, I'm hearing a lot of my friends in the field telling me that there are reports of people leaving food around um, areas where somebody has been seen. Like, is there any reason for this, you feel? I would say, okay, so number one, um, there's some, okay, deer have a very interesting relationship with human beings throughout history, right? Throughout our history, humans have hunted deer of all sorts. We've, we, we've worshipped them. We've used them for meat, for material, for medicines. Many cultures in the world today, uh, in the world even today, they have very strong cultural ties with deer. And, you know, um, 
especially the the sight of a large deer in Singapore, you know, considering how rare they are, how uncommon they are, right? They are pretty rare. Unlike wild boar, they are really very shy and elusive creatures, even though they are so large. So I think the the ability to to get catch a glimpse of one is really very attractive, and there are quite a number. And in recent years, they actually attracted quite a bit of attention from photographers. So you have people who who are able to to be in the right place at the right time to capture really stunning imagery of somebody uh, just doing that thing, whether it's grazing, crossing roads at late at night when there's no vehicles, you know, and you know it's it's really amazing to see these people being able to to have very uh very close encounters with somebody and also being able to capture them for people to admire. There are probably other people who want to replicate these same experiences, but they might want to take a shortcut, which probably which can mean leaving food out for the deer to lure them into certain places where they want to see them. And that can be problematic for various reasons. So I think number one is that if you leave the food out by a, by a very busy public area, let's say it's near a roadside, the somebody might spend more time near the road and if there are deer near the road, there is a higher chance of them ending up on the road and getting hit by vehicles, which is not something that we want to see. On the other hand, I think we kind of our our perception of deer is kind of like very clouded by pop culture. We think of deer, we think of Bambi, right? They're very helpless, defenseless little deer, very cute. Mm-hmm. When you talk about traveling to other countries in Asia, we think about Japan, uh, the, the very friendly uh, Japanese sika deer in Nara, right? Those deer, they are so, they are so accustomed and habituated to human beings that they will, they will eat biscuits out of your hand, but they will eat your pamphlets in your hand. They will dig through your bags for food as well. The sika deer in, in Japan are pretty small compared to a samba deer. I don't think you want a samba, a full-grown samba deer uh, rummaging through your backpack. Or forcing itself upon you. Yes, exactly. I mean, these are very large animals. I think for people who don't know what a samba deer looks like, I've seen them quite a number of times. They are always very amazing to look at, but they are really tall. So, when people ask me what, what size are they like, I like to say they are the size of a small horse. Which, okay, and you must imagine, horses are not small animals at all. Right? So, you know, they are pretty tall. Like I mentioned, they can be up to 1.6 meters at the shoulder. I think for those of you who um, have been to Night Safari recently, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have some deer in, in certain exhibits along the tram route. When you sit on the tram, which is elevated, and it goes past the Sambadia exhibit, you can actually see eye to eye with the larger ones. That's yep. how big it is. Yes. And you do not... Okay, even if you don't have the large stags or bucks with the antlers uh, behaving too aggressively towards you, even um, uh, a female can do a lot of damage. Because Samba... Okay, deer in general, even without antlers, they can actually cause very serious injuries to human beings. So remember, they have hooves, and those hooves can be very sharp. So a well placed kick, right, can actually can actually cause quite uh, serious damage to a human being, and you do not want a habituated somebody to suddenly lash out at the person, right? So you you can imagine like a, a macaque 
that's already used to human food, right? It can, it, I'm sure a lot of us will really know the havoc a market can cause. Think about a wild ball. Okay, so, so quick revision. When yeah. we say habituated, it means an animal that has gotten too used to human beings. Yes, I'll be just used to human beings in general. So mm. habituation itself can be neutral, right? Uh, but it's, it's, it's all about how the animal was habituated. Was it habituated just simply by human beings being nearby and didn't get scared anymore? Or was it, or did it, or was it habituated because human beings kept giving it food and now it has learned to approach people for food? So that's actually different. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, you do not want a, a, a overly friendly somebody um, either trying to force yourself upon someone to, to in a bit to get snacks or, you know, simply lashing out and kicking it kicking somebody you have a lot of cases of of uh, supposedly semi-tame deer in other countries that people kind of adopted like oh this friendly deer is in my yard backyard I'll give it food every day then one day the deer gets frightened or spooked by something and it lashes out uh, at the human being right and then usually it ends very badly for the deer when, when the authorities are forced to step in and and solve the issue yeah, and you must imagine, you know, like even when they are, especially when they are babies around, uh, a mother, somebody there could potentially do a lot of damage. And I think, um, so what you're saying is that actually somebody there, as, as happy as many of us are to see one, as, you know, as a, as a lot of us have existing cultural ties and just general admiration for the sight of a, of a deer, they are still unpredictable because they are wildlife. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're definitely not something like a goat or a sheep, you know, that you can tame and be friendly with. Yeah, I would say that petting zoos and some of these deer parks give people a very skewed perception of what wild animals are supposed to be like. And I kind of like somebody as they are because, you know, they are wild and elusive. You feel very, very privileged being able to spot them. So, any takeaways for listeners? I would say maybe when you do venture into areas where samba are seen, do keep a distance, don't startle them, um, respect their space. And if you are driving along the roads that fringe our greens, our nature reserves, do keep an eye out because even if it's not samba, it could be wild boar, it could be a pangolin, it could be so many other creatures. But it's just that samba deer are just one of those that that if you hit one, it's it's going to be disaster for both the animal and for you. It will be an impactful uh, experience. Yes, definitely. Unfortunately. And I think on that note, let's end um, this little chat on somebody, shall we? Yep. Okay, right. so thanks for tuning in. And, you know, we're just very happy that you are tuning and just joining us on this. And we hope to see you around soon. Once again, I'm Pedro. And I'm Ivan. And this is Wall Red Dot.